a message stirring in my heart. Y'all ready for the word of God this morning? The message is 100 seconds to midnight. 100 seconds to midnight. We are in a series about end times. And this message started stirring in my heart really from a news alert that I got in January. And I try to stay up to speed with what's going on in our world. And during 2020, it's been kind of hard because there's literally something new happening every day, every week. Uh, it seems like there's more crazy stuff going on. In fact, there's been a lot of memes about 2020. How many of you have seen some of the funny memes out there? I've laughed. I, I want to show you a couple of them. This one was really funny from this, this young boy. He said, kids in the future trying to learn all the things that happened in 2020 for their history final. And then I like the next one here, this guy, 2020 every second. But wait, there's more. <laughs> and then this one's probably my favorite, me looking outside to see what chapter of Revelation we're doing today. How many of y'all can relate? This has been a wild year so far. And <laughs> I feel like every week there's new things going on, but something that's, that really um, came to me on, on my phone in January there is a board that was put together in the 1940s, and it's a board of scientists and people who study um, climate. They study kind of the whole world. And in the 1940s, this group came together, and they were called the Scientific Board of Security. And their job was to alert the whole world when there was threats towards doomsday. And there was this belief that one day there would be a, a day of reckoning on the world of mass destruction. Now, these are secular science. These are not Christians. These are just secular, where they believed that there was a doomsday coming and that the more nuclear weapons that were created and the more uh, turmoil in the, in the world and the more climate change, that there would be, be a day of doomsday. And so they created a doomsday clock. Well, in the 40s, when, when there was World War II going on and there was a lot of war happening, they moved that clock about 10 minutes to midnight. Then as it got into the Cold War, they moved it during certain decades, they would move it closer and closer towards midnight, midnight being the time where doomsday would happen. What's so interesting is the Bible has a lot to say about midnight. The Bible has a lot to say about the end of the world, the end of uh, the world as we know it. But what's really crazy is in 2012, they moved it to about four minutes to midnight, and there was predictions that 2012 would be kind of the end of the world. The Mayan calendar talked about that. They came out with a movie called 2012, and the world was kind of nervous, kind of the same thing as Y2K, right? When, you know, year 2000, how many of y'all remember just the, the fear? People were stocking up for years of water and food, and some of y'all still got the food and water in your garage. You haven't eaten it all. <laughs> And, uh, and then, you know, we kind of got through those times. But in January, they issued an alert. And they said, dear citizens of the world, we are now closer than we've ever been to midnight. The clock has been moved to 100 seconds to midnight. Humanity continues to face two simultaneous existential dangers, nuclear war and climate change. This is compound, compounded by a cyber-enabled information warfare that undercuts society's ability to respond. So now there's weaponry that can just knock out um, power grids, that can knock out electricity. Not only that, but we're moving more and more closer to a tracking system of every individual in the world. And if you think I'm a conspiracy theorist, you're not watching the news. And I'm telling you right now, our world is experiencing a fulfillment of prophecy that Jesus talked about. The word prophecy just means a prediction. Just like when you watch the weatherman and the weatherman says, this week we're going to have sunshine on these days and rain on this day, you believe him because he studies the weather. 
Jesus said, you guys know how to predict the weather, but you don't know the signs of the times. Jesus said, you guys listen to people talk about weather, but you won't listen to the prophets who prophesied the very things that are happening. It sounded crazy when the prophet Isaiah said that one day a man will bear our sorrows. He will be bruised for our transgressions, wounded for our iniquities. Did you know there were 300 prophecies about the Messiah? Every single prophecy came to pass. When Jesus walked on the earth, he was born in Bethlehem. They said that would happen. He, was, he died on the cross. He was betrayed by his followers. He rose from the dead. That was all fulfillment of prophecy. And did you know that there is five times the amount of prophecies about the second coming of Christ than there was the first coming? There's 700 prophecies in the Bible about what we're walking through right now. So in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51, if you got your Bibles, you could turn there. And uh, yes, we get excited about that. We're a Bible-believing church, in case you were wondering what kind of church you came to. Paul said, behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. And we will all be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. When we die, we don't just disappear. We don't just become an animal or come back as another creature. We don't just, you know, live in the ground as dead people. No, no, no. You step into eternity and there's two places you go in eternity. And when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are raised with Christ. You get to spend eternity with him in heaven. By the way, if you don't like my sermon this morning, send an email to Jesus because I'm preaching his words. <laughs> so he says, this corruptible must put on incorruption. We will be clothed with better bodies than we have right now. <laughs> this mortal must put on immortality. Um, so when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then will be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul was saying, he, Jesus is coming back. Jesus has conquered death. He's conquered sin. And there is a day where he will return and we will go to be with him. But he says, in the meantime, in verse 58, he says, therefore, church, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. In other words, what we do right now matters for eternity. Don't just sit around waiting for a rapture. Don't just sit around waiting for tribulation to happen, Armageddon to happen. Live your life with purpose. Everything God calls us to do, we've got to do it. Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 8, that there would be famines, there would be pestilence, there would be plagues, sicknesses, and there would be wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes. And he said, these are just the beginning of sorrows. These are just the beginning of the birth pains. In other words, what we're facing right now is just a pop quiz compared to the final test and exam that's coming. As we've walked through COVID-19 and and the virus has spread, and now millions of people are infected, and there's been hundreds of thousands of deaths. And then on top of that, there's unrest in America. There's, there's this cry for justice. There's this uh, confusion even behind legitimate causes. There's this agenda. I believe that the enemy wants to stir up an agenda behind a legitimate cause. There's a demonic agenda to just completely overthrow anything that God wants to do in our nation. Any unity that could happen, any peace that could happen, 
any revival that could happen. But I believe that God is raising up a church that understands how to bring justice and peace, justice and revival, that God wants to use a church that's going to be a part of meeting the needs practically and spiritually in people's lives. Our nation needs Jesus. Our world needs Jesus. And so he's calling the church to be ready. There's birth pains. When I was in middle school, I remember our teacher would oftentimes throw a pop quiz. And it was always frustrating. I'd say, that's not fair. And she'd say, welcome to the real world. But we weren't ready for this. She said, that's what a pop quiz is. You're never ready for it. You got to be studied up. You got to be doing your homework. You got to be reading your books. You got to be paying attention because you never know when a pop quiz might happen. Well, that's what 2020 has felt like, this pop quiz. And I sense in my spirit, we're not done with it, that there's more that's coming. And that's not meant to scare you. That's just meant to prepare you as a church. Jesus said, in this world, you will face troubles of many kind. You will face persecutions. But take heart, I've overcome the world. And greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. But you, we've got to be alert that things are happening. I remember in 2007 going on a missions trip to Beijing, China. And while we were there... Um, they were preparing for the Olympics that were going to happen in 2008. And we were walking down the streets and there was clocks everywhere, outside, inside, and there were countdown clocks that were a year, counting down a year until the Olympics would happen. So they, these weren't clocks telling you what time it is right now. These were clocks telling you how much time you have left. And I asked the managers at the hotels, I said, why, why are all these countdown clocks happening? He said, we've all gotta get ready. He said, we, we've got to get ready. The world is coming to Beijing. The world is coming to watch the Olympics here. And we're not ready yet. So these countdown clocks have been put on the streets and put on the hotels and restaurants all over Beijing because our whole city has to get ready. And when I saw that, I started thinking about the church. There's a countdown clock. What's happening in the world, it's counting down. Jesus is saying, get ready. Get your stuff in order. Get your fire burning. If you're lukewarm, it's time to get hot. If you're cold, it's time to get hot. If you've drifted from God, it's time to come back. Time is running out. That's what Jesus was saying. Romans 8 verse 22, Paul said, we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains. The earthquakes that are happening... The climate change that secular scientists are talking about all over the world. And you could see it. You could see it in the, in the, in the weather. You're, you're seeing something interesting is happening. 2020 has definitely been an a eye-opening year for anyone who thought that we weren't living in the end times. People are going, wow, whatever is happening, I need to get right with God. Paul said in Romans 8, verse 18, even though it's going to get difficult, even though there will be persecution, I consider the sufferings of this present time will not be comparable to the glory which shall be revealed in us. Church, as the world gets darker, the church is going to shine brighter. Our best days are right in front of us. This is not a doomsday, depressing sermon. This is a glorious day saying, church, it's time to rise up. You were born for 2020. You were born for such a time as this. If you believe it, give God praise. Come on. Jesus said in Revelation 22, verse 20, behold, I am coming soon. I'm coming soon. 
There's a word they used to say in the New Testament believers after Jesus had risen from the grave and he had ascended into heaven and he told his disciples, I'm coming back. I'll be back. All the disciples, they used to say this word, Maranatha, Maranatha. They'd see each other and say, Maranatha, Steve, Maranatha, Ashley, Maranatha, Paul. And it meant the Lord is returning. Get ready. God's coming back at any moment. They were living with an anticipation and expectancy. But when hundreds of years go by, and then a 1,000 years goes by, and then 2,000, it's like the world just kind of stops living with that expectancy. And then we see billboards out there predicting when he's going to come. There's been 240 predictions in America alone of when Jesus would return. Jesus said no one knows the day or the hour. It's really awkward the day after that billboard didn't happen. They got to go change the billboard. And um, this is like talking about end times is, is not meant to scare you. It's meant to prepare you. And, and I think it's important that we don't get into a place of trying to predict when it's going to happen. There's a lot of people go, I think it's going to happen the next time there's a blood moon. I think it's going to happen, you know, September 15th. I think it's going to happen on November 4th of 2020. I think it's going to happen on this day because there was a tornado happening over here. Like, let's not get caught up in, in our ideas of predictions. Rather, let's get focused on convictions. Let's get in the word of God and say, what does God want us to live like? How does God want us to treat one another? How does God want the church to be ready? He's coming back for a spotless bride, you know. He's coming back for a church that's alive, a church that's on fire. In fact, the book of Revelation is really a letter to the church. And the letter is, hey, church, get ready. Get your stuff in order. Get on fire for God. Love your neighbors. Love one another. Get rid of sexual morality. Get rid of debauchery. Get rid of this, you know, loose living lifestyle. It's time to go all in for Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew 24 that in the last days there will be a lawlessness, an increase of lawlessness, and the love of many will grow cold. We're seeing this happen. More than half the world was put on lockdown between March, April, May, and June, people still on lockdown in many countries. During that time, something that's been around for a little while now called cancel culture has only increased. Cancel culture is this intimidation that if you say something I don't like or you think a way that I don't think and I stand with those who have power, those who have the ability to manipulate through media, what the mass should believe, what the masses should think like. That I can not just disagree with you, but I could cancel you. I could get this mob to completely destroy your impact, your business. We saw this happening um, in, in the last few months, this intimidation that you must think the way we think. You must say the things that we say. And if you say it differently, there's a cancel culture, a cancel culture. We've seen it all over the world. Some of the things that are being canceled I'll say this, some of the things that are being challenged need to be challenged because there's harsh views out there and, and there needs to be a challenge. But what we're seeing is a complete cancellation of a freedom of speech, a freedom of, of thought, a freedom of being able to, uh, even in scripture. Like there are people who believe now that if you have a belief, if you have a value system for life, that life starts at conception, that, that, that life is important from the cradle to the grave, from the womb to the tomb. How many of y'all believe that life is valuable from the womb to the tomb, all right? That we need, to, we need to protect life. We need to care about life. But now if you think like that in America, they're coming for you. If you start thinking the way that scripture teaches, it's no longer just, hey, uh, you shouldn't think that way. It's if you think truth. Truth sounds like hate to those who hate truth. 
I read a book in middle school called um, 1984 by George Orwell. And it was a book that described what I think is happening right now in our world. That there is this attack on any freedom of thought, freedom of speech. And I had a, a pastor friend of mine who um, liked a conservative post and it came across insensitive to some people and he apologized. He said, listen, here's where I stand. I value everyone, I love everyone. Look at what we've done. We've helped our city, we've ministered to people. I just happened to follow a certain conservative on Twitter and I clicked like. I didn't even repost it, retweet it, I just clicked like. And a huge group of people boycotted and said, we're gonna burn your churches down. And then on top of that, he had to get uh, people to protect their church from getting burned down. He got canceled in all the schools that they were renting across their state to have church campuses. This is a pastor that I know, and I know his heart. And I just said, man, we're praying for you. He said, there is a very demonic agenda that's happening in the world right now. And I'm not talking people. I'm just saying there is a spirit that sits beneath something that's good. It is good for us to fight for the value of every human life. But once things begin to move from that into this no longer should matter. When, when people start saying you can't believe in a Jesus, that, that there's only one way to heaven. You can't think like that. We're going to shut you down. You can't think a certain way. You can't. Again, I'm telling you right now. Jesus predicted what we're walking through right now. We've got to come back to the word of God. We cannot live based on our opinions. Our opinions are constantly going to be changing based on our feelings. we got to come back. What does the word of God say? Love your neighbor. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Do not repay evil for evil. Uh, overcome evil with good. Choose love. And there's so many teachings on the word of God that lead to a blessed life. But when we reject truth... We reject the, the teachings that God gave us to live the life he's called us to live. And so Jesus said, in the last days, deception is going to be rampant. There's going to be false prophets. There's going to be people saying certain things. And what we need to do is we need to get back into the word of God. So Revelation chapter 1, verse 3 says, blessed are those who read this prophecy. When you read the book of Revelation, you are blessed. When you read God's word, you are blessed. And then he goes on to say, this book, this teaching is for believers. Why is it important for us to understand end times? Why is it important for us to understand what's going on in the world? Because how you view end times, how you view the book of Revelation, will directly affect how you live your life. You'll either live lazy, thinking God's never going to come back in my lifetime, or you'll live with expectancy. You'll either live with fear if you don't read it right, or you'll live with faith if you read it from the lens of God's, God's going to protect you, God's going to use you, God's going to bless you, but we've got to follow what God says. 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul told Timothy, he said, there is a crown of righteousness that awaits me. The Lord, the righteous judge. By the way, God is a righteous judge. You don't hear that too much in church these days. Oh, he's just a loving daddy. He is a loving daddy, but a loving daddy is also a good judge. Like if someone messes with my girl, I'm a loving daddy, but I'm a righteous judge. I'm going to go Liam Neeson on you, taken. Good luck. I will find you. I have a special set of skills. <laughs> Any good father is also a righteous judge. So when we like, oh, I don't want to talk about that. He's, no, no, no. God's coming back and he's going to judge the world. 
And there's a judgment for believers too. And we're going to get into that. But Paul told Timothy, he said, listen, the righteous judge is coming back and, and he will judge me. And there is a crown. There's a reward for those who live according to the word of God. There's a reward for those who are faithful. So every time you give, every time you serve, every time you forgive, every time you turn the other cheek, every time you do the right thing, every time you practice integrity, every time you, you do the honest thing, every time you repent, God says, that's, that's, that's faithfulness right now. That's a reward that's coming one day to you. And Paul told Timothy, all those who put their faith in God, not just for me, but for everyone, there is a reward. There is a crown. Then he says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, again, these are just scriptures about end times. What's it going to be like? Is there a rapture? When will he return? What will it be like when he returns? Paul says, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Even so, we also believe that he will come back and bring those who sleep in Jesus, those who've passed away and put their faith in him. For we say this to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. In other words, those who've died and put their faith in Christ, they're going up first. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be raptured up together. That's the word rapture. We'll be caught up in the air. The word rapture just means caught up in the air. How many of y'all saw when the rocket went off a few weeks ago? Did y'all see? I think we have a clip. Something interesting happened. As this rocket took off, it began to go up into the air. And I was watching that. And the whole world was watching. The whole world was watching when this rocket took off. And I was thinking about how someday the church is going to go up and we'll be up in the sky. And when, when Jesus returns in the clouds, some of y'all, y'all laugh about this. You're like, oh, these are conspiracies. No, these are prophecies that have outlived you and outlived me and outlived every president and government and CNN and Fox News and MSNBC and Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy Kimmel and all the com comedians and all the movies that make fun of end times and all the people who don't believe in it. It's coming. Get ready. Ready or not, he's coming back. And I believe that the church is positioned for such a time as this. In fact, I see victory taking off like that, like as a rocket right now. God's doing something powerful in this house right now. So Paul says, comfort one another with these words. There's four theories about the rapture. There's people who believe in pre-tribulation. That means that there's going to be a seven-year tribulation where there's an antichrist. There's a mark of the beast. There's Armageddon. There's a war that happens around Jerusalem, around Israel. And there's people who believe we will be raptured before that. Then there's people who believe in mid-tribulation. This is in the middle, three and a half years into the seven-year tribulation that there will be a rapture. Then there's people who believe in post-tribulation, that after seven years, and during that time, there's going to be massive destruction, massive deaths that happen in the land. Then the church will be raptured. Then there's people who are pan-trib, and they're just like, it's all going to pan out somehow, some way. I don't know. It's going to pan. <laughs> the, the, the main point is this. We can all get along with each other because some people are like, I'm leaving your church because you believe in this part of the tribulation. Listen, let's keep the main thing the main thing. Jesus is coming back, and we all believe that he's coming for a church that needs to get ready. So wherever you stand, I think it's important to stand in a place of faith and wisdom because there's really three ways people approach this. People approach this with either extreme faith, and they believe I'm not going to face any tough times. Well, that's kind of already 
ex-nade out because we're facing some tough times right now. Then there's people who have extreme wisdom and they're like, we're going through all the tough times and then we might get out of this. Um, and then there's people who just have an indifferent spirit and they're just kind of, they don't care. I think it's important for us to live with faith and wisdom. No one knows when he's coming back and that's why we gotta be ready. Jesus told so many stories, parables about uh, people who weren't ready and the thief came in the middle of the night. The master returned, the bridegroom came in the middle of the night and people weren't ready. The purpose of prophecy is not for us to make a calendar, but for us to build character, for us to live courageous, advancing the kingdom of God. That's you and I, church. So real quickly, I wanna break down the book of Revelation. We're gonna get into it more, but I just wanna give you a quick outline. And this is a teaching sermon, so if you want to, you can screenshot some of these slides. I, I like studying the Bible. Anyone else like to study the Bible? Okay. So section one of the book of Revelation is the letters to the church. Um, this is where Jesus says, I'm the alpha and the omega. I'm the beginning and the end. I'm the first and the last. There's no one else. And I, I hold the keys. Jesus took the keys, the master key, church. You got that. So the book of Revelation is broken down into five sections. Section one is where Jesus speaks to the church. And he says, I'm the one you're looking for. I'm the Messiah. I'm the answer to your problems. And church, you've got to get ready. So through this, um, these, these few chapters, uh, he speaks to his church. He talks about Christ appearing in the air, the dead in Christ rise, the church is going to be raptured, there's gonna be rewards for believers. He says, I've got rewards for you, I've got an open door for you. And, and the first time that Jesus returns, or I would say the second, his second coming of Christ is when he comes for his church. And then when he comes back to fight on the battle of Armageddon is when he returns with his church. And that's to fight for Israel. He's going to land on the Mount of Olives. And we're going to get into that. Section two of Revelation is a worship service. There's amazing, you got to read it. Revelation four through five is like thunder, lightning. If you don't like worship, you're not ready for, for the rapture. If you don't like worship, you're not ready for what's going to happen in heaven. Because it's going to be worship service going on up there. We're going to be singing, worthy is your name, Jesus. And those of you who don't know how to sing, you're going to have a great voice up in heaven. It's just going to blend in with all the voices. Holy, holy lightning, thunder, billions of believers singing. John, John, who wrote the book of Revelation, he said, I saw billions. I saw a sea of people as far as the eye could see in white robes. We're going to be washed by the blood of Jesus. God's not going to judge you for the sins you committed because you are washed by the blood of the lamb. As a believer, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So. As a believer, you're a part of this worship service. You're singing together with the angels. Then section three, chapter six through 18, this is the big section. This is Jesus, the righteous judge. This is the seven-year tribulation that will happen where Jesus righteously judges the earth. The Antichrist will be alive during this time. Evil will abound. And the second half of that tribulation will be worse than the first half. There will be seal judgments. There will be trumpet judgments and there will be bold judgments. All of these judgments will lead to a lot of destruction, a lot of death, and a lot of persecution. If you think right now is hard, this is nothing compared to what's going to happen during that seven-year tribulation. And this is why we wanna live with faith and with wisdom. We wanna believe God that we are going to be raptured together with Jesus, that we're gonna be ready to go with Jesus. But we also wanna be prepared that no matter what happens, we are gonna be faithful to the end to follow Jesus. 
okay? Then there's section four of Revelation. This is chapters 19 through 20. And again, this is where Jesus is lifted up as king of kings, lord of lords. This is where he throws Satan into the bottomless pit. And then Christ brings his church for a thousand years to reign on the earth. This is the resurrection of the dead, the great white throne judgment. And then the final section of Revelation, section 5, chapters 21 through 22, Jesus is the bridegroom. And this is where Jesus brings a new heaven and a new earth. He makes all things new. And he says there will be no more weeping, no more sickness, no more cancer, no more divorce, no more abuse, no more fatherless homes, no more racism, no more prejudice, no more sin, no more darkness. There will be no more death. Jesus says everything is going to be heaven on earth. So regardless of what you believe, we are certain that Jesus is returning and he will gather his saints with him. So what should we do? And that's what I want to end with today. What should we do? Number one, we've got to keep watching. Focus is the new superpower. People who are distracted, people who are living with a constant distraction, just sitting in church and I can't even pay attention. Somebody just went, mmm. <laughs> I liked that. <laughs> distracted, distracted, distracted. Can't even read my Bible, can't even worship, can't even pray, can't even pay attention to what's going on. We've got to watch. We've got to watch. Before I get into pray, we've got to watch. We've got to keep our eyes open. Peter said, be alert, be sober-minded, pay attention. For your enemy, the devil, your adversary, he prowls around like a roaring lion. Keep a watch over your heart. Keep a watch over anything that's not of God in you. Deception is rampant right now. And self-deception is the worst, thinking that everyone else is deceived and you're not. <laughs> Pay attention. Watch what's going on in your heart. Watch what's going on in your life. Are you holding on to grudges? A man who lives with grudges is, is a foolish person. Unforgiveness is not smart. It only robs you of the life that God's called you. Uh, uh, deception of even addictions, behaviors that you have justified in your life, things that, that aren't of God. Coming back to a place of humility, saying, Lord, cleanse me. Keep watching. Keep watching over yourself. Keep watching over others. Keep watching of what's going on in the world. Be in the world, but not of the world. Number two, keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Pray. Pray. Stay in a mode of prayer. Lord, let us stay in a mode of prayer on a daily basis. What does that mean? That means every day. It doesn't mean I'm just, you know, walking around and I'm just not paying attention to my wife or my kids, just praying the whole time, not listening to anyone. Uh, not working, not doing my job. But staying in a mode of prayer means in every circumstance, every relationship, every conversation you're praying, you're thinking in the back of your mind, Lord, what do you want me to do here? How do you want me to respond here? What should I do? When you're watering your grass, when you're outside mowing the lawn, when you're driving home from work, when you're uh, taking a shower, just talking to God. Prayer is two-way communication, not just you talking, but you listening. What is God speaking Asking God for his words for you. Number three, keep being faithful. Keep being faithful. Jesus said, those who stand firm, those who are faithful till the end. This is in Matthew 24, verse 13. If you keep on being faithful right to the end, you will be saved. Luke 21, 17 talks about um, there will be a hatred that stirs. Verse 18 and 19, he talks about all these things. But you will not be touched. God will cover you. Your patience, your faithfulness, your persistence will bring your salvation. There's rewards as we are faithful to follow what God's called us to do. There's crowns. 
God's going to reward you with crowns. I remember reading a book when I was in college by John Bevere called Driven by Eternity. By the way, John Bevere is coming to Victory Conference in August. It's going to be powerful. And we also got Darius Daniels coming back. Robert Madu is coming back. We got a couple others I'll tell you about later, but it's going to be a great conference. I remember reading this book, Driven by Eternity, and he shared this story in the book called Affabel. And it so touched me, I just thought, oh my goodness, we've got to do this in our church as a drama. We did a drama back then. How many of y'all were here back when we did the drama Affabel? It was, I mean, maybe 12, 13 years ago. And we need to bring it back. The whole drama was all about living your life in light of eternity, that there will be rewards one day when we die. And the whole point that, that was stirring in me is that conviction to, to give it all I've got, to pay attention to my life, to pay attention to the words I speak, the actions I take, that these crowns will come. But these crowns are not meant for us to wear. These crowns are meant for us to throw back at the feet of Jesus. That one day as you're rewarded. I remember when I ran a track meet and I used to run track in high school and I, I got third place and they had us all come and stand on these boxes. First place was on the tallest box. Second place was there, and then third place was over here. I'm standing, you know, lower than the other two guys. And then they came, and they put a, a medal around my neck. They hung, I think it was bronze. What does the third place get? Silver? Bronze? Bronze. I was proud of my bronze medal. And I remember just wearing it, and I thought, wow, that's so awesome. And I just, I think someday many of you will be first, and many pastors will be last. Many of you that have done the unseen work for the church. Many of you that have funded the vision. Many of you who have prayed for, I, I believe there's gonna be praying grandmothers that are at the front of the line and you're gonna get that big golden medal. And some of the pastors who've been on stage will, will be getting the bronze, but I, no matter what, listen, all of us gotta do our part. All of us gotta give it all we got. Stay faithful, whether anyone sees what you're doing or not, whether anyone thanks you or appreciates you or calls you and says, hey, thanks for that gift. Thanks for serving here. You're not doing it for their appreciation. You're doing it for a, a gold medal that will not tarnish or fade, a crown that, that is eternal. And then number four, keep your love walk. What should I do if Jesus is returning? Keep your love walk. We're now 100 seconds to midnight. Love is growing cold in America. Love is growing cold in the earth. But there is a church that will be marked by love. They will know you are his disciples by the way you love one another. Share your faith with others. Don't lose your love walk. Stay in the spirit. Ca carry gentleness. Carry kindness. Carry compassion. Clothe yourselves with compassion. For day is over and the night has come. Dawn is almost here. Midnight is almost here. Don't lose your love walk. Number five, keep running the race. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24, you've all been to the stadium and you've seen the athletes race. Everyone runs, but only one wins. So I say run to win. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades, but you're after one that's gold eternally. I don't know about you, friends, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy, lazy living for me. I'm staying alert and I'm getting in top condition. I'm going, I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else about the message, but not running it myself. Paul was saying time is running out. Time is running out and we've got to run this race. Would you stand your feet all over this place?
I want to just end today with one last story. I was preaching last night and 10 minutes into the message, the whole electricity shut down. The power grid went out in South Tulsa. How many of you guys lost power last, last night for a few? We did in our service. And right as it shut down, I was preaching about cancel culture. I was talking about how there's censorship going on and now they've got technology to shut down, you know, power and literally it all went out. And our church kind of freaked out. It was dark in the room. And someone ran out with a, uh, a megaphone. Check one, check two, testing one, two, three. And I started preaching. Before there was a megaphone, I started preaching for about 10 minutes. Just talking like this. Just giving it all I got. Just shouting. And I said, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop just because... Listen, here's what I love about our church. Our church is not special because we have a good building. Our church is not special just because we have nice lights or an LED screen or electricity. Our church is special because we refuse to quit. We refuse to stop running. We refuse to shut down. We refuse to be silenced. We refuse to let the enemy get the best of us. This is a time that you've got to keep running. When I was in high school, I was part of a relay race team and we were doing the 1600 relay and, and I had the final lap, the last 400 meters. And the third guy, as he's coming, he got tired. He collapsed right as he was about to hand me the baton and he dropped the baton. And so I had to lift it up as fast as I could and I just had to sprint. And I couldn't look to the left or to the right. I couldn't pay attention to where everyone else was running and how they were running. I had to run my race. I had to run in my lane. And I think about how when my father passed, I had to pick up a baton. When my mom said, Paul, it's time to run, I had to carry the baton. I don't know how the baton was passed you, but I know this, you've got to run. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24, don't you know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you would win the prize. In other words, give it all you got. Stop acting like you got 100 years left to live. We don't know how close we are to midnight. According to secular scientists, we're closer than we've ever been. This is a time to sprint. It's a time to run your race. It's a time to live for Jesus. It's a time to go all out, whatever God's called you to do. Lord, I just pray right now for your church. God, I pray, Lord, for every person in the room. I pray, God, that we would live with an urgency that you are coming back. God, it's, it's good for us to, to lean in. It's good for us to give it all we've got. It's good for us, God, to pick up the baton and run. Lord, I pray, God, that we would shake off laziness, that we would shake off apathy, that we would shake off a spirit of indifference. God, that we would be free from confusion, that we would have a clarity, that the end is clear. And God, I pray, Lord, that we would be prepared for your return, that we would be a church that's ready for your return. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you're not ready and you feel like, man, I'm not right with God. I don't know if I'm ready, but I want to be ready. I want to get right with God. I want to get ready. There's some things that I need to repent of. There's some things that I need to surrender. I need to let Jesus truly be Lord of every part of my life, my, my thought life, my words, my actions, my heart, my emotions, my relationships. If that's you today, I want you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to come down to the front. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand all over the room. If that's you, you're not right, but you want to get right. 
You don't feel like you're ready, but you want to get ready. Lastly, you're here today and you say, Paul, I, I'm saved. But if I'm really honest, I've, I've grown a little bit cold. I've grown a little bit distant. I've, I've not been as hot for Christ as I should be. I've been a little lukewarm. I've been a little lukewarm. And I want to wake up. I want to get more on fire for Jesus. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Today is your day to turn it up. Turn up the heat. The intensity has increased. It's time for your intensity to increase. I'm going to ask us all to pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I'm all yours. I repent of sin and I receive your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross. You rose from the dead and you're coming back again. So help me, Jesus, to be ready. Any day, help me to live ready. I'm all yours, God. I thank you that my name is written in your book. And one day, I will spend eternity with you. <laughs> and in the meantime, I'm going to give it all I've got right here on earth, living for you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I love you, Victory. God bless you.